I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast today. I am your host, Sam Carroll, subbed in because Phil Kirkbride had technical issues, and I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Adam Jones as we consider the departure of Carlo Ancelotti and the dust, which very much hasn't settled yet. We're approaching the 96-hour mark. Adam, how is life post-Carlo Ancelotti for you? Busy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah very very hectic at the minute trying to trying to find out exactly what's going on but you know personally it's uh yeah it's okay yeah it's i think i've got over the initial hump of, of carlo leaving nuno esperito santo is is currently the bookies favorite and we reported this morning that talks have kind of been initially opened with, with nuno you know but an appointment is not going to be happening in the next day or two it doesn't seem like at this stage very happy to be proved wrong by Everton if Nuno Santo is the man to next hold a lot hold a lot of Everton scarf for Finch Farm Adam would you be pleased by that it's a really weird one isn't it because it, it really depends what kind of Nuno that we're going to be getting because you know obviously at the start of his Wolves tenure you know it, you can't you can't discredit what he did at Wolves you know getting them up into the Premier League and then did he lead them to consecutive seventh place finishes straight after promotion? I mean, that's a yeah. that's an like it's an amazing achievement for a promoted side, and you know the kind of football that they were playing in, especially in that first season that they were in the in the Premier League, uh, was was really really good. They did really well in the Europa League as well in that second season when they finished seventh. So, you know, if we were getting that kind of Nuno, then I'd be I'd be fairly happy with it. But you know, the you know the last season does just kind of put me off a little bit. And I know that, obviously, Raul Jimenez got injured and that, that did affect Wolves a lot uh, throughout the second half of the season particularly. But it does that does that show them up to be a bit of a, a one-man team? If, you know, just one like you know one player being injured can affect them so badly. And, you know, I was watching Wolves a few times for the, for, you know, the majority of last season and they weren't exactly playing some great football. It was pretty defensive. I don't think they were really opening sides up all that much, especially if, you know, they didn't have an Adama Traore on the pitch or a Pedro Neto on the pitch. You know, players like that who've got a bit of attack and flair about them, if they weren't in the team, then, you know, Wolves did struggle a little bit. I think he switched, didn't he, uh, to a back four on occasion and that didn't really work out either. So, you know, the, those question marks would still be in my head. I think in general, obviously, he's a, he's a, he's a great manager and he's, he does have you know the pedigree of being at a at the likes of Valencia as well. So you know he's got international pedigree behind him as well. So I wouldn't be as disappointed with Nuno as I would with some of the other names that are getting linked. Certainly, but you know I, I do in my heart of hearts I do still think there's some there's something better out there for Everton. So you know I'm quite happy with Everton taking their time over this at the minute. You know Nuno's the front runner at the minute. Doesn't mean that he's going to be the front runner uh, in the next few days or the next weeks or so. 
So you know, let's let's uh, let's just take stock, take our time, and and see what comes out of this. The worry for me, Preno, is that Nuno feels would Everton have gone for Nuno Espirito Santo if he had still been Wolves manager? You know, is he someone that we would necessarily have headhunted, or is it just kind of a happy coincidence that he, he doesn't currently have a club? To me, Nuno feels very underwhelming. I'd agree with you. Um, I think the fact that um, he's available and Everton have had talks with him and still haven't appointed him as manager yet indicates that they're just paying lip service to the fact that he's available. He's on a short list because he's available and for that reason alone. Uh, but I think if Everton wanted him, if he was like uh, the priority, the number one choice, you know, I think we'd be hearing a press conference being staged already. Um, so, you know, clearly, you know, Farhad does want to spread the net as wide as he possibly can. I mean, he told uh, Phil yesterday the process was going slowly. Uh, so I think, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, is it Farhad casting that net, do you think, Dave, or is it Marcel Brands? Well, Marcel Brands should be the man, uh, you know, sort of casting that net, but he hasn't previously. I mean, uh, as I said in the podcast that we did on uh, on the night that the other news was announced, this could be an opportunity uh, for Marcel to, you know, so finally exercise the kind of powers that a director of football should be exercising. Now, obviously, he will have a say in it, and I think he will, you know, uh, be very, very influential. But I still believe that Farhad is the man that caused the shots. He has done previously. Um, you know, it, Marco Silva was very much, you know, sort of his choice. Sam Allardyce was undoubtedly his choice. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti was an absolute coup, uh, you know, sort of bringing him in. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing that it will be the same again. You know, so Farhad will actually make the final decision. But I'm hoping that he's guided by that, uh, by Marcel. And, uh, you know, he's pushed in a certain direction by Marcel Brands. Because, you know, so he's the man, you know, so with the footballing knowledge and the footballing experience. But at football clubs, the man who pays the bills is the person that, you know, so calls the shots and uh, Farhad owns the club. You know, so it's his shout at the end of it. We just have to hope that he produces something as inspired as he produced last time. And I get all the caveats about Carlo. You know, was it really that inspired? You know, the football was awful second half of the season, that kind of thing. That That's just Evertonians trying to make the best of a bad situation. Uh, we yeah. were all behind Carlo at the time, you know, so we all wanted him. I think we were all quite excited about the prospect of, you know, the players he was planning to bring in this summer. So we just need to hope that, um, you know, Farhad can produce something similar. Although that candidate, oh, sorry, that quality of candidate doesn't appear to be out there at the moment. I mean, uh, you know, a, a Pochettino, does Mourinho fit in that candidate, you know, in that status anymore? Probably not. So, no, there aren't that many uh, to choose from. Phil Kirkbride rep reported, Preno, that there was 40 names kind of made available to him in, in, in the hours after Carlo Ancelotti had left to join Real Madrid. So let's stick with some of the the more obvious ones that, that have been punted so far. David Moyes, Eddie Howe, would you be a fan of either of them two massive names? Um, <laughs> take them each, you know, one by one. And can I also, like... Put to bed you know, this this myth that uh, Bill Kenknight is, you know, so de demanding David Moyes be the next Emerson manager and is advocating his his appointment. He isn't uh, absolutely not. I mean, a number of uh, media outlets have written that, and I don't know why because there's no truth in it. Um, you know, so he's not promoting David Moyes at all, and it's certainly not promoting Eddie Howe. So uh, you know, I don't know where they came from. Um, personally. I wouldn't be against David Moyes. I understand why um, it would be divisive amongst Evertonians. 
what I believe he was very, very good for Everton Football Club in the 10 years that he was there. He had his down moments, absolutely. Uh, but he was also managing a football club at a time when we were struggling financially. He had to make ends meet and he constantly punched above his weight. Uh, that's why he got the Manchester United job, uh, because he'd done so well. Um, the stock has fallen a little bit since then. Obviously, his experience in Spain you know, wasn't great. Sunderland was a bit of a disaster. But I think he's shown again you know, so at West Ham what he's capable of. So I wouldn't be against that. But what I would say is that it would only take one little rocky spell, one dip. And I think a significant proportion of the fan base would probably turn against him if that happened, which is why uh, I think he won't be targeted and why I don't think it would happen. Personally, yeah, I would be okay with that, but I think an awful lot of Everson fans wouldn't be. Eddie Howe, no, not for me. Uh, I just think he's he's flavour of the month. Uh, he took Bournemouth down, let's face it, uh, and you know he's done okay. He's, um, you know, he's he's produced a decent style of football, but again, he's taken you know underachievers to a level that they weren't expecting to achieve. Everson Football Club, as Simon Jordan, the Crystal Palace chairman, said, you know, so earlier this week with uh, an interview which I totally agree with. Everton are giants of English football and uh, they should be treated as much. They're not little plucky underachievers. And as a result, they should be thought of as an elite level job, uh, you know, the kind of job that the Carlo Ancelotti's of this world should be going for. So uh, it's that level of candidate that we should be looking at not the Eddie Howes of this world and I know if, if Gavin was here you know he'd be talking about um, you know a, a, a championship manager with hunger with desire with appetite uh, you know would be the ideal fit for the football club maybe but are those type of managers around you know can we think of a championship manager with desire and appetite who would fit that bill I, I'm not so sure we can and obviously that's a gamble anyway because you know so kind of manager who's being successful in the championship immediately transfer that to the Premier League which is a very different environment altogether so to answer your question you know so th those two names you've mentioned probably won't be in the frame I don't think despite what the bookies odds you know so I might have you thinking otherwise would this have been kind of Adam if there was ever going to be a time for David Moyes to come back to Everton would this have been the only possible scenario he's just had a great season with West Ham his stock for the first time since leaving Everton is is relatively high in, in the Everton game but it very much feels like if it's not this time which as Preno was saying it, it's probably not going to be uh, a return more than likely will, will never now happen but would, would you still firmly be in the, the no more as the ship sailed on David Moyes at Goodison Park 100% 100% for me like, I, I just don't think I don't, I don't think he's done enough to come back, to be honest. I mean, when you when you look at it in the context of things like Preno's just, you know, laid out there, you know, he you know, he got probably dealt a bad hand at Manchester United, things didn't go well out in Spain, you know, he took uh, Sunderland down, had an all right fair spell at West Ham and then he's, you know, back back with West Ham now. But, you know, this has essentially been what one he's probably had one full season where he's been where he's done a decent job since leaving Everton and that was what eight years ago now? One one decent season in eight years isn't isn't good enough for, for me to to want to manage a back. To be honest, you know, obviously you can look back at you know the the history that Everton have got with David Moyes, and you can look back at it with rose tinted glasses. But I think you know when David Moyes left Everton, I think it had very much come to the end of his time at the club. You know, I think he'd kind of he took the side so far, but you know, with obviously the cash constraints that the club had, had at the time. I think he'd kind of hit a glass ceiling for where he was going to be able to take Everton, to be honest. You know, it was very, you know, it was consistently you know, getting into Europe back then, but I don't think it was, 
you know, going to break through and, you know, win trophies or, you know, progress into the Champions League or anything like that. So I think, you know, at that time, I think Evertonians were saying, you know, thank thank you for all that you've done, David, but, you know, that our time together has come to an end. And I don't think, I don't think that, you know, the views of Evertonians have, will have changed that much just because he's had, you know, one decent season where he's, you know, now taken West Ham into Europe. I mean, that's, it's great. It's great for him that he that he's doing that. And don't get me wrong, he's doing a great job at West Ham. But I just don't think, you know, off the back of one good season, Everton Everton should be thinking to themselves, oh yeah, well let's 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 regress back to a to a, a time with David Moyes at the helm. You know, obviously it would be a little bit different that he'd have a bit of money to spend this time around. But you know, it, it's just not enough for me. I think Everton need to be looking elsewhere personally. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're very much going to discuss some other more left-field uh, managerial names that have been linked with Everton in the past four days in the rest of this episode. But we do need to quickly take a detour because at 12 o'clock on Friday afternoon, Everton confirmed their retain list for the summer. Josh King was obviously the most interesting one. We signed him in January, managed a grand total of zero starts and was unsurprisingly not happened, not offered a new deal by the managerless Blues. But Theo Walcott, Yannick Balassi, Mohamed Besic, Matthew Pennington, also being released from that kind of senior group. Preno, along with under-23s, Josh Fowler, Dennis Adenaran, Con Uzanidis, Callum Connolly, and Bobby Carroll, and a handful of under-18 players released as well. But looking at Josh King, Theo Walcott, Yannick Balassi, Mo Besic, just on the surface level, Preno, that's a real uh, injection back into the wage bill, isn't it? That these lads have been taking a real hefty wage now for, you know, in Mo Besic's case, seven years. On, on the sly, you know, it's not massive news, but... They were always expected to be released, but a little bit, a little bit more good news in what has definitely been a bit of a, a grey week for Everton. Yeah, definitely, it's um, a significant chunk of wages, which is very, very important. And I know it, it's being expected that will already have been calculated and budgeted for because their contracts were up. No great surprises there, but it is still, you know, sort of decent news. Um, some of the names, you know, a little bit more. You know, so eye-opening than others, I suppose, and you know, so what's gone wrong for them? I mean, Yannick Balassi, obviously injury is what you know, so interrupted and curtailed his Everton career. Uh, Mo Besic is the interesting one for me. Um, he was quite an exciting signing at the time. I remember you know, all the stories about him having shackled Lionel Messi at the World Cup, and uh, his initial uh, impact was good. But uh, you know, discipline-wise, was always an issue. But I always got the impression as well that uh, I don't know, things just never quite. Worked out. There was the one really, really top performance I can remember, which was in a, a League Cup semi-final first leg against Manchester City, when he had a really good game, and just didn't replicate it, you know, consistently enough after that. And I don't know why, you know, so I just don't know why it didn't happen for Mo Besic. Yeah. The curious one, of course, is Josh King. I mean, why on earth did Everton bring him in? Um, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was almost like the. Well, you might not even remember him because uh, he was so fleeting on the Everton firmament. But Tommy Johnson 
who was a, a striker that Walter Smith brought in in similar circumstances in round about 2000 and, you know, so one, 2000 maybe. And he made again about four or five appearances, all from the subs bench, and then was immediately sent back to Celtic, I think it was he'd come from. And it was just like, why bother? You know, so why bring him in? Josh King was exactly the same. You know, so the brief bits we saw of him looked okay. You know, so, you know, clearly he had issues defensive discipline-wise, which we, under, you know, suspect is why Carla wasn't, you know, starting him in matches. But I just didn't get the point at all of bringing him in if he was going to be used so fleetingly. So that was a strange one that uh, his career certainly wasn't helped at all. You know, and he certainly didn't help us. I wasn't given the opportunity to help us. Uh, but all in all, it's um, it, it's quite heartening. There's so many big wages. I mean, there's a lot of six-figure salaries, six figures a week salaries uh, being released. You know, so in that in that chunk, and then obviously there's the younger players as well uh, that you've you know so spoken about. That were brought in with you know reasonably high expectations. Josh Bowler certainly being one, Dennis Adenair and maybe maybe another. It's not really happened for them, but you know that that happens with players of that age. You know you got to take a gamble, got to take uh, a chance. And then of course Matty, your mate. I'll let you talk about him because I think Evertonians will have you know so affectionate thoughts of the, the brief you know time that Matty Pennington uh, had in the Everton first team. And okay, you know so his, his career didn't go the way he wanted to at Goodison Park. But he will always have that goal down at the cop end. So um, there's a, a few high spots, you know, so you, you can think back on. And, you know, he will have a very, very good career elsewhere because, you know, he has been very, very highly thought of, you know, so the clubs he's been at on loan, you know, so since he left Everson. I think that's the thing now, isn't it? I think at, at some point you, you've got to go on and these lads have, will have good careers. And I think anyone who read Matty's uh, leaving message that he posted on social media will will understand kind of how respectful he is towards the club that ultimately have still given him a career in professional, in professional football. And it was really good for him to, to have that deal with Shrewsbury tied up. You know, they really liked him in his loan spell at the end of last season. And, you know, it looks like he's got himself a good club and a, a good manager in Steve Cottrell. And I hope it's not the last we see of him in the, in the Premier League. You know, you, you look at people like Shane Duffy and, Ryan Ledson has just won play of the season at Preston, looks to be on the up. Uh, Hope Akpan came back into the Premier League with Blackburn uh, once upon a time. So, you know, leave, leaving Everton isn't the, the be-all and end-all. I know that myself, you know, went on to have a glittering career after Everton Academy. So, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think... Sorry, sorry, Sam, is this a glittering career you're talking about that you're enjoying at the moment? <laughs> glittering Sunday league career, I don't know. What nah, nice, <laughs> Um, what are your thoughts, Adam, on Yannick Bolassi? Uh, been released today, will probably go without fanfare. I think over the last year or two, he's won a lot of friends on social media, done a lot of good work in the community, it seems, helped out fans, gave away shirts, things like that, really got stuck into the Everton way. Do you think in, in some alternate universe where he didn't get injured, that there could have been a very different Yannick Bolassi career at Everton because he started off like a house on fire. I think him and Romelu Lukaku had their own language or something at one point, didn't he? But very much since, since that injury did, didn't happen for him. I think he could have been a very useful player. Uh, I think, you know, he, he, did, he did show those sorts of traits, didn't he, before he got injured and, you know, that goal that he scored against Burnley away, was it? And as you say, you know, he, he had sort of a symbiotic relationship almost with Romelu Lukaku at, uh, at some point. I seem to remember him setting off one of his hat-trick goals uh, against Sunderland away as well. 
so you know he could have he could have made himself a really useful player because he he had he had all the attributes didn't he? he had the pace he had the skill you know he had a striker who was able to uh, able to score the chances that he was able to create but you know he did get he did get that injury and you know I think you know I think he'll probably admit that he was rushed back from that injury uh, a little bit too early came back after was it only only a year on the sidelines and then you know for the second half of that that uh, that dreaded Allardyce time you know Allardyce did try and use him a little bit he scored that goal against City at home and but it, you know it was it, you could tell that he wasn't wasn't operating at full fitness so it's it's just been loans from that point to try and get himself uh, back up to full fitness and I think it, it, it it's a it's a real shame in a way because you, you you're quite right he has won a lot of supporters uh, with his work on social media and his work in the community and stuff and you can tell you can just tell that he's a just a down to earth you know hard working fella isn't he and you know th- those kind of those kind of players are always you know the kind that you know resonate with Evertonians that little bit more you know he, he, he clearly does care about the club he clearly does care about the fans and you know he all he wanted to do throughout his time here was to work hard and get get himself on the pitch you know he even cut short his time at Aston Villa uh, on loan because he thought oh, well I might get back on the pitch for Everton I really want to play for Everton you know obviously it didn't work out like that and you know he ended up having a good time at Anderlecht after that but you know it, you know that sort of desire and dedication is something that you know usually Everton fans uh, can resonate with so you know maybe if he hadn't got that injury and maybe if he'd continued on the on the sort of path of progression that we'd seen in his first few months uh, at Goodison Park, it could have been it could have been a different story. You know, I'm not I'm not sure he would have, you know, still been a first team player now. But you know, I think he could have had could have had a much more useful time at Everton. So you know, in in a way, it is it's sad to see uh, a player of that attitude uh, leave the club. But you know, obviously, it's it's it, it's right for both the club and the player to to kind of move on now. And you know, he's enjoyed a really good second half of the season at Middlesbrough last season. So let's hope that can. Uh, I can earn him a good move this summer. What happens with, with or what has happened, Adam, with, with Josh King? I mean, he's come in, and I think some fans now, with, with the time he spent on the pitch, would rather have seen, you know, Nathan Broadhead, who's been offered a new contract, Ella Sims, who went and scored 10 goals for Blackpool post-January. They probably would have rather seen lads like that, just be given a chance if, if that was all Josh King was brought in for it. A lot of people spoke about it being a win-win transfer in January, and okay, we didn't pay a fee for him, but we probably paid him a considerable wage to to sit on the bench and and train for for six months. It's it ended up being a quite surprisingly disappointing deal, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It's 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 a strange one, isn't it? You know, when you when you look on the surface of it, you know, eleven appearances, no starts. I think. His time in Everton on the pitch amounted to about 138 minutes. And the closest he got to scoring was that weird little handball on the line incident against West Ham, which, you know, wouldn't have wouldn't have got us any more points anyway. So, you know, that that would have been kind of really the only effect that he would have had on an Everton game. So when you look at it on the face of things, it does look like a strange sort of transfer. But I do still just think that it was just he was just brought in for cover, wasn't he? You know, we'd got to the end of that January transfer window, and I think you know th- probably throughout the January transfer window, there might have been a belief that even with uh, Moise Keane out on loan, uh, and then Ellis Sims going out on loan in January as well, uh, I think there was probably the belief from Ancelotti and Brands at the time that they were they, they were saying, oh well, we've got we've got Calvert Lewin and we've got Richarlison, 
they they can be our two strikers for the rest of the season. But you know, I think it was probably it was probably right for them to get a backup just in case because you know we all know how how weird this season's been, especially in terms of like injuries and stuff. Loads of, loads of teams have picked up injuries throughout uh, throughout the campaign. So you know, it was it was very possible that Everton could have had one or both of their strikers injured at some point. It just didn't really. It just didn't really happen like that at all, though, did it? You know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin picked up a little bit of a minor issue, which kept him out for a couple of games. But in that in that time, Richarlison stepped up, and I think he scored in four games in a row. So you know, I think those kinds of things just kind of worked against Josh King. And you know, we we did need somebody to come in on the right the right flank at some points, but I don't think he's would have really been comfortable on the right flank. I think he probably would have been more comfortable either through the middle or on the left so you know circumstances just didn't work out where Everton were in such a dire injury situation that the that they needed Josh King and in the cameos that he that he did produce when he was coming off the bench you know he, there was I know it's hard for him because you know he wasn't getting the minutes but like he didn't look as if he was in his peak fitness you know he wasn't really that sharp either so you know I suppose the only way that that could have been solved was would have been by giving him more minutes on the pitch but Everton just couldn't really afford that for the for the rest of the campaign. So I can kind of understand the fact that he hadn't that he hadn't got any starts because you know he was brought in for cover and at, at the end of the day we just didn't we didn't necessarily need the cover and that, that was that was just the way it was and you know it's a, it, it, it it's a shame for him of course you know he's picked up he's picked up a nice few wages from it though so you know I'm sure he'll be happy enough to happy enough to move on this summer and and, and again I, I hope he's somebody you can. You can get himself a good move as well because you know Carlo Ancelotti kept saying that he's a really hard worker and trainer. We maybe didn't get a, a chance to see it on the pitch, but you know he seems like a really down to earth fella off the pitch as well. So yeah, he's another one that you know fingers crossed he can just get himself a good and a, a nice good move in this in this summer transfer window. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Apparently, the, the club also announced that. For the time being, Robin Olsen will will go back to Roma, but he's handily spoken this afternoon. And, and that, when I spoke to his future, he says, I've not thought about it. I look forward to the European Championships, but I have enjoyed myself in England. We'll see what happens after. Doesn't exactly sound like a man who's, who's desperate to go. Would you be would you be looking to get Robin Olsen in if, if you're Marcel Brands? Is it still something that a new manager you think will we'll have on his priority list? A, a backup goalkeeper with everything else that's Got to get done this summer. Well, I think he's been one of uh, one of the success stories of last season. Um, I know it sounds a bit odd to say that about a backup goalkeeper, but yeah. he's probably played more games than you would expect a backup goalkeeper to play, and not through injury either. Uh, you know, one of Carlo's strategies was to pull Jordan Pickford out of the uh, the firing line every now and then, give him a little break, and uh, you know, allow Robin Olsen to to perform. And um, you know, one goal at Old Trafford apart, you'd have to say that, you know, so his performances were very, very good. I mean, the performance at Leeds was outstanding, you know, so and was you know, responsible for us, you know, so largely winning that night. Um, so, you know, he's, he's being good and you could argue that he has pushed Jordan Pickford on because uh, Pickford ended the season in ex- excellent form. So, you know, so maybe that strategy was, was correct and was useful. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, it would be interesting to see him come back again. It sounds like he's quite open to the idea Obviously, the change of manager um, changes all that, though, doesn't it? Because whoever the new manager that comes in may be might have other ideas. You know, so he might 
decide that you know he's got a number two that he fancies more he might decide he wants to make a change of goalkeeper entirely we just don't know do we because uh, no. yeah, so new managers have their own thoughts on things so yeah it's you know a little bit more turbulence a little bit more upheaval in a, in a summer that we don't need anymore so having said that you know you can probably avoid all that by saying look you know if, if it ain't broke don't fix it he was good last season when he was used you know so both goalkeepers seem to work well together so why would you change that so you know i'd be quite happy to see him come back i think that would be a really good move one of the most interesting ones this summer uh now Preno is is going to be the future of richarlison a, a lot of people have been discussing this online there's, there's seemingly conflicting reports there's mm. Some people saying, you know, he fancies a move. There's some people saying he's gutted that Carlo uh, has gone. At, at this stage, Phil Capebride reported that uh, Everton are not braced for offers, certainly from Real Madrid this summer. Uh, you know, the early reports were saying he was the one that Carlo Ancelotti would look to take with him from Everton. What, what, what do you make of Richard? At the moment, he, he's gone from being one of the most popular players in the squad to, to really kind of split an opinion with his performance. <laughs> Yeah. Do you still see him being a, an Everton forward at the, at the start of the season when the transfer window closes? I certainly hope so. Um, I understand, you know, so why some supporters fall out of love with him because I think a lot of that's down to his demeanour. You know, he does have that little, you know, sort of sulking, you know, sort of pouting nature about him sometimes. And there were a couple of occasions last season when he seemed to be going through the motions a little bit. But I think, again, last season was such an odd one and such a, a unique one. You know, to be played against the backdrop of empty stands and no crowds and you know how does that affect players you know so sort of mentally it, it, it's got to be a strange season you know for a lot of people and you know so maybe Richarlison found the difficult or more difficult to motivate himself you know so sort of in that situation I mean the real stark contrast was the Sheffield United performance tail end of the season and the Wolves performance three or four days later yeah. you know when he when he was the match winner you know and he was chalk and cheese um, to, to me, you don't look to move on or lose your best players. Uh, and he, despite you know, so what people think about his performances last season, is one of our better players, one hundred percent. He's got all the attributes you want in a striker. You know, he can finish. He's great in the air. He's got good pace. He's got good, you know, sort of technical ability. Um, mentally, he had one or two issues last season, but you know, you can overcome them. And he's still young. He's still developing. He's still improving. So, you know, I think you don't want to lose players like that, you know, if you can help it. Uh, so I'm hoping that Everson's, you know, feedback is correct and that they're not bracing themselves for any offers. I mean, it's only this time last year that we were getting told that Barcelona, you know, were ready to make this huge bid for him. Uh, that didn't materialise. And I hope that nothing materialises again. I hope he's still an Everson player. Um, again, you know, depending on who the new manager is, you know, depends on what kind of mindset he's in then. Uh, but he's a good player and we don't want to lose good players. So, no, I hope he is still around when we go off for pre-season training at Finch Farm. And when is it? Only a month or so's time. A few days before it was confirmed Carlo was, was leaving, Everton had Richarlison posted a picture to his social media of him, of him embracing the, the then manager. And, you know, he is only a young lad, but both managers now, Marco Silva and Carlo Ancelotti, he has seemingly had a really close and really emotional relationship where there's any kind of young lad who, who comes to a new country might do. How hard do you think Carlo's exit will have hit him? I think it probably will have hit him quite hard, wouldn't it? Was it this time last year that uh, Richarlison was saying that, you know, Carlo kind of convinced him to have one more year or something like that at Everton to try and to try and show off his talent. So, you know, it was, it's, it's always been very clear from the start that Carlo Ancelotti thinks 
very highly of Richarlison, yeah, as he does of Dominic Calvert Lewin as well. So I've got no doubt that you know Richarlison probably will have been hit hard by by uh, by this because, as you say, you know he did he did uh, seem to have a very sort of close close relationship. I think he was. Is he one of the only uh, one of the only remaining members of the Everton squad still following him on Instagram, which which kind of kind of shows the uh, the lingering affection that he still has uh, for Carlo Ancelotti. But you know, I've, I've got to agree with Preno. You know, I don't I don't think Everton should be should be willing to listen to offers for Richarlison. You know, he didn't have the best season last season, but I, I don't I don't want to judge a player so young on just one one season and it's his first. You know, maybe iffy season for Everton. You know, he was playing. Most of the season up front alongside Dominic Calvert Lewin. And, you know, I just don't think those two work together as a partnership because I think both of them want to be that leading man. And, you know, it's no surprise to me that Richarlison's best form of the season came when Dominic Calvert Lewin was injured and Richarlison was the man who uh, stepped into that uh, striking role uh, in his stead. You know, you know, I think that was the uh, that was the time that he produced that goal against Liverpool as well. And that really showed off his. His true quality, didn't it? Goals like that, you know, goals like the goals that he scored against Spurs in the cup as well. You know, some some absolutely amazing finishes uh, still that he produced this season. So he's still he's still a player with absolutely bags of talent, uh, bags of passion for the club as well. Which you you know, it, it, as I said before, when I was talking about you know Balassi, you know, it, it it unfortunately in modern football it's kind of hard to come by those those kind of players. You know, Richarlison is somebody you on and off the pitch quite clearly has a huge affection for Everton, the fans. He wants to play for those supporters. You know, you saw how happy he was scoring in front of the supporters on the last day, the uh, last home game of the season, sorry, uh, against Wolves. You know, that that kind of that kind of energy that the that the home fans gave him, you know, that was that was the best that we'd seen him play for weeks. So, you know, hopefully with fans back in stadiums next season he can go back to producing those kind of performances on a regular basis because, you know, on his day he can produce a goal out of absolutely nowhere. He can create a chance out of absolutely nowhere. I think on his day, he's probably Everton's best player. So I just don't think that Everton should be should be willing to entertain offers at all because you know at the end of the day, he, he's been been at the club for three years now, and I think in all of those years, he's essentially played football right the way through them. You know, he's, he's been in international football, or he's been playing for us. You know, kind of, kind of constantly all the way through that. So it's 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 understandable that he's going to have a bit of burnout. So I think that's maybe what that's maybe what's affected him a little bit this season. But let's hope that he can uh, get back to his best next season, and hopefully that's still uh, still in the blue of Evan. Is that now that you know the dust is starting to settle a little bit? That the main concern. Do you think that you know these these elite footballers that we have, you know? Luca Dean, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin starting to step into that bracket. James Rodriguez certainly in that bracket. Uh, you know, younger up-and-coming players. Maybe put Pickford in there. Ben Godfrey certainly after his performances. You know, they they've been promised this elite manager who, you know, was going out and and talking about the future and leading us to this new stadium. And that certainly seems where a lot of the frustration has come from. In that no one has posted a a public leaving message to him. It does seem like some players have even unfollowed him on social media. So is the concern that people could start to get itchy feet a little bit, you know, and look at Carlo and, well, if he's moving, should I think about moving? Is that a concern for for Everton? It doesn't help, does it? Um, You do have to have, you know, so a few concerns about, you know, so the players you've mentioned there, you know, your Richarlison, your Yerry Muniz, your Lucas Dinias, 
who you know sort of come to the football club uh, on the promise that we are building a team here that's going to a challenge to get into European competition, and then you know sort of challenge for those European competitions that hasn't happened yet, and the upheaval that then happens about you know so sort of looking for a new manager and how he wants to change things, it does create a degree of uncertainty. Footballers are resilient because that's the nature of the job. I mean, it is full of change, you know, so all the time. But Everton just seems to have had more or more than their fair share over uh, over recent years. So yes, you know, it, it it's got to be a concern, and it also underlines, you know, so why it's so important you know, to bring in, you know, so a manager that a doesn't just excite us as supporters, uh, you know, and inspire us, but also inspires, you know, so the players that are left behind there. There's a lot of work still to be done at the, at the squad. We accept that, you know, so we know uh, there are huge, you know, gaps and you know, glaring deficiencies in the squad. Or equally, there are some very, very good players there that we can ill afford to lose. And we need to hope that, you know, so the managerial appointments when it does come is one that will help to inspire them as well. It's We say it every single time it happens, but it's a huge, huge decision, this for Everson Football Club. You know, so it will make, you know, sort of a huge impact on you know, so where we go in the in the well not just the short term but the medium term uh so yeah it's it's trying to be as upbeat as possibly i can here but it's it's a concern of course it is you know so not just for us but for the players who are left behind the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo just quickly before we we assess a few names towards the end of this podcast adam for for anyone who who, who doesn't Follow the social medias. It, it doesn't seem at this stage like any Everton player has, has came out and sent Carlo a, a leaving message, which is kind of customary now in the modern game to, to thank him for his time, whatever. And it, it does appear like players have unfollowed him. But I kind of like that. It, it seems like yeah. it maybe he could have been orchestrated from some point higher in the team, a squad member, wherever it's come from. But it does generally seem like these players have have been hurt a little bit by Carlo and, and are not willing to kind of, you know, get, give him that little send-off. But I think that, that's what's needed now, isn't it? To, to draw a line under the Ancelotti era, how, however fleeting it was. Yeah, I, I quite I quite like it as well. It's a, it's a little bit of, like, underhanded, like, needle from the uh, from the squad, isn't it? You know, to just... Yeah. Going to go and unfollow him. It's, 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 it's a bit sly, but it's, it, it's obviously gone gone noticed uh, by Evertonians which uh, I think is probably the the right thing for them to do because you know I think uh, I think it's like what I was saying at the uh, in the podcast that we did earlier in the week I think the, the most disappointing thing for I think me you know looking at it and a, a few supporters as well was that it, it, it was the way in which this move was done like I don't think anybody in their right mind can you know argue with Carlo Ancelotti wanting to go back to Real Madrid. You know, Real Madrid is you know a huge club, fantastic opportunity. You know, you can under you can understand his reasons for you know wanting to to go back and you know challenge for the Champions League and La Liga and all all stuff like that with Real Madrid. You know, that's completely understandable. But it was it was just the the speed that this happened and you know in the underhanded manner that it seemed to, to happen over the course of like a bank holiday weekend, and then for you know even after. Even after it went through, you know, Carlo Ancelotti to be, you know, saying the things that he did in that, you know, Real Madrid press conference, trying to say that last season was a success. The fact that he led that he led Everton to tenth and he called it a success just because we were fighting for Europe on the last day, even when, you know, technically 
technically, yeah, mathematically, we were fighting for Europe on the last day, but you know, we had to get a result at the Champions, and we needed West Ham and Spurs both to lose. So it was, it, it, it was a fight that we were fighting with one arm behind our back, essentially. So it was, it it it, it just all adds up to a really, a really bizarre and you know, a situation that does doesn't sit well with a lot of supporters. So I think the fact that that seems to be reflected on the playing squad as well, it kind of gives supporters, you know, a little bit of comfort, you know, that they're not the only ones who've seen, who, who've been like, you know, played a little bit by this or, you know, feel disappointed by this, you know, the players, the players are feeling the same as well. And I, I quite like the, the, the idea that there's some sort of anger and frustration about Carlo Ancelotti leaving and that it, you know, with the, you know, with them not saying goodbye to him or anything like that, it kind of does seem to be directed at the manager himself rather than the club, which is, I think, is, you know, the exact, the exact right way to go. And that, that's what makes me think, you know, the, even, even if some players, you know, are, you know, thinking, oh, what, what, what's my future going to hold now? I think they'd be more willing to, to listen to a new manager coming into the club because of that. So, yeah, it, it, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I quite, I quite like seeing stuff like that. Well, to finish the podcast today, we've got a game of, of manager bingo. The, these are all genuine names that have been linked from some corner of the globe. I'm going to come to you. There's eight names. Just a quick yes or no and maybe a, a sentence or two on why you would or would not like them to be the ex-Everton manager. They are very zany names that just came out of left field. Uh, and I will even got a theme tune for this part of the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> manager bingo. Look at that. <laughs> A live jingle, a live jingle <laughs> for me. Right, Kraut, I'm going to come to you first. This was sensationally claimed by Vinny O'Connor on Sky Sports News a couple of days ago that the return of Marco Silva had been discussed. Would you take him back? No, Vinny, have a word with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, a, a, a more hipster name for you, Eric Ten Hag, former Ajax manager. Uh, yes, I think he'd work well with Marcel Brands, and I think that would be a very Marcel Brands style appointment. So yes, I will, I will have him. Preno, Antonio Conte, could could we do it again? What we did to Ancelotti and and Laura big name to Goodison Park. Oh, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes, in terms of stature, in terms of you know, sort of credibility, you know, sort of elite level manager, he's bonkers. But um, you know, so maybe that's what you know, sort of we'd need. It would come with a huge degree of risk attached to it. But you know, clearly he's a, a sought after manager. So yeah, that'd be I'd be okay with that. Two controversial ones coming up now. What one each for obvious reasons? Adam Rafael Benitez. <laughs> uh, no, no. Maybe, maybe oh, a few years. No, maybe a few years ago I would have had them, but uh, no, no. I think I think we've moved we've moved beyond wanting Rafa Benitez as our manager. No, nah, purely not. for the Liverpool connection, or is it more football reasons now? Well, can't, partly because of the Liverpool connection. You know, some of the things that he said when he was Liverpool manager towards Everton were <laughs> are, uh, are hard to forget, aren't they? Uh, but even even like the football football inside of things, you know, was was the job that he did at Newcastle all that great? You know, Steve Bruce has been doing a very similar job, and I wouldn't have Steve Bruce. Uh, and now he's is he still managing in China as well? Don't really know. 
how he's been doing in China. You, you, but like he's been he's been so under the radar for so long that I just don't think I don't think he's the right fit, is he? So no, not for me. Kind of an early name mentioned, Stephen Gerrard after winning the title with <laughs> the Knew that one was coming. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wonder which way around it was going to go. Was I going to get Rafa? Was I going to get um, in managerial terms? Uh, he fits the bill absolutely perfectly. Uh, young, hungry, uh, you know, huge appetite. Uh, you know, very, very highly thought of. Great experience in the grey in the game. Clearly, an up and coming young manager. But is it going to happen? Not in a million years. Uh, Everton fans would not take him on board. He would not take Everton Football Club on board. I mean, the memories of, you know, so some of the things that were chanted at him during derbies will still resonate. Uh, oh, yeah. no, no, there's no way on God's earth that is ever going to happen. Got one. The next one for Preno is actually one of Preno's best friends in football. Of it. So, Adam, we'll come to you with the next one. Huh. Today, reporting if we say Farhad is in talks with Andrea Pirlo. That, that would be a sexy appointment. <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love, I'd love to see the uh, the kind of the kind of that he could come up with on the sidelines. Yeah, my only concern would be that you know he'd be better than most of our midfielders still if yes. if if we yeah. signed him to be manager. So you know, could Imagine could we get a player manager? What's the scenario? Go on. Haley, Baines as an assistant, that would be that would be a hot a hot deal. That'll be unreal. That would be unreal. Uh, in terms of managerial, uh, it, it's really hard, isn't it? Because I, 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 like, I still want to judge on how how I think they're going to work with Marcel Brands as a as a director of football. Uh, yeah, that's because he worked with a director of football. Yeah, let's let's just say yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have him. Preno, he's good friends in his previous spell, Roberto Martinez. <laughs> 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 he's, he's been tentatively linked to another one with a retain. You and, you and Roberto could really get the band back together down at Finch Farm, I think. He does have his admirers uh, at Goodison Park. I, I know that for a fact, but I'm not one of them. Um, no, no, not for me. Um, at, the time, at the time, I was lukewarm, um, and I expressed the reasons why, because you know he's a manager that... Uh, just can't seem to organise a team to defend properly. Um, you know, the, the, the in inverted commas successful teams that he had, uh, you know, sort of Swansea and Wigan Athletic, still shipped goals galore. Uh, his one very, very successful season at Goodison when we finished with 72 points. You could argue that he inherited David Moyes' defence, which he then thought it was a good idea to inject Antolin Alcaraz into and uh, a couple of other individuals. So, um, despite the very, very many positive things he did, including luring some top players to go listen, like Romelu Lukaku, who is still probably you know the best centre forward I've seen ever in the Premier League era. Uh, there are too many deficiencies. Um, so for me personally, it's a big no. And last two, two I, I quite like for quite different reasons. Adam, Maurizio Sarri, apparently Lazio are in talks room, but, but he's kind of holding out uh, to see if Everton might uh, approach him, that's the, the latest from Italy today. Would you, would you love the the chain smoking Sally on the on the triangle? Uh, no, uh, no I, I think no. I, I think what FA Cup winner with Chelsea, Serie A winner with Juventus, no love for him. Right, but like Chelsea had like ready made squad, didn't they? Like uh, I think. 
It, it takes a long time, usually for Sadi to introduce his Sadi ball in inverted commas, as, as they call it. We certainly haven't got a squad at the minute that can that can produce that sort of system. And I just don't think that he is set up to, you know, be at a club for as as long as it would need for us to, you know, build build that sort of system. When was the last time he was at a club for, you know, three, four, five years? That's kind of what we need at the minute. Uh, will he work well with the director of football? I'm not I'm not very sure either. So, yeah, he, he just seems like, and to be fair, he seems like another to me who, like, if 18 months down the line he's doing quite well with us if an, if a better offer comes in is he just going to is he just going to you know be off on his way down to you know a, you know back to Juventus or you know to Real Madrid or someone like that so yeah it, it's, a, it's a firm no for me from for uh, Sadi and last one one that I loved from today I just think such a seems like a nice guy I don't think it's happened in a million years don't even think he's that good but it would just be Hilariously magical. Claudio Ranieri. today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what would what would that be like Everton under Ranieri? Dilly Dane, Dilly Dan. His track record. His track record. Dilly Dan, you know. So we immediately start laughing because, you know, so of the nature of the man, you know, is, is slightly eccentric. Uh, foibles, you know, so shall we say. But he's a top manager. He's a top manager yeah. who's achieved, you know, sort of the absolute, you know, sort of elite in this country. Um, he's been targeted by big clubs, you know, Chelsea, etc. Um, don't dismiss that one, you know, so personally. But it's not going to happen, obviously. But you know, so I would be very open to that. And uh, if not a strictly come dancing, it's a ten from Pren. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not a ten, but maybe a, maybe a seven and a half or an eight. Uh, and that concludes <laughs> Everton Manager's Bingo. What a, what a time that was. I really enjoyed that, lads. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. Hope you enjoyed that talk around managers. Uh, anything else you want to know, please do join the Royal Blue Podcasts group on Facebook or follow us all on Twitter and ping us a message there. But we will be back at the start of next week where hopefully we have a little bit more clarity around the Everton Manager situation. Maybe a little bit more clarity around Nuno Espirito Santo, maybe a little bit more clarity around who Everton will be chasing in the transfer market this summer. But for now, enjoy your weekend. The sun is shining. Hopefully it's shining down on Goodison Park, both literally and metaphorically again soon. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.